This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. If Spooko won an award, I'm pretty sure we'd snub the awards show. Like, I think I'd take pride from being like, yeah, thanks for the award. Uh, I think Shag and I are just going to go to writing camp. We'll have a few heaps normals, a few reshes, and we're not going to go. The point of online marketing, I realize, is essentially saying, yeah, if you want to nominate me for one of these industry awards, I probably won't snub your awards thing. And, and you know, it's easy to say this. Shag, you have won an industry award, and you've famously given one of the greatest industry award acceptance speeches ever. Um, you'll be able to find the footage online of Shag singing Seal's Kiss from a Rose as part of accepting a richly deserved uh, industry award. Um, Shag, you'd accept that. Um, uh, it turns out that award I didn't get last year, I did get this year for law stuff. And in the email, it's like, oh, hey, well done. Don't tell anyone. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. And then the second one is like, so let's talk about how many tables uh, you need for the uh, for the event. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> and it's it's a funny thing to like when you see the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain of like, oh, okay, cool. This is a whole thing where you send me a uh, like a PDF that I can put it, that you want me to put in an email signature, but I'm not going to do. And in exchange for you sending me that PDF, you're going to invite me to an event I don't want to go to. It's like, yeah, it's great. What a what a fabulous industry to be in. Shag, if Spooko were to win an award, do you stand with me in boycotting whatever the award is? Um, oof. Do you stand with me in threatening to boycott whatever the award ceremony is, but then probably caving and going along? So first of all, classic Peach, where it's like you can't even deal with huge praise. So congratulations on whatever this award you've just won. That's huge. Can't tell you. Embargo. Crazy that you had to catch it in that. But what what you mm. have revealed is a truth that maybe not a lot of people know, that in creative industries, pretty much every award that people win, they had to enter first. And entering usually involves quite a long, drawn-out process of submitting things, courting votes, paying usually an entry fee and then paying for tickets to the event itself. So that utopian idea that like awards shows for pretty much any creative endeavor are like, we're just going to look at the best of the best and we're going to search and find these amazing things. It's like, no, literally people just put an entry in to be like, maybe I should win the award. And a bunch of judges who probably don't have heaps of time went through them all and were like, you know what, this, yeah, these guys, they, they win. So, so I think, and, and not taking away from your award, like, fuck man, Peach, like you deserve every award. You're the best to ever do it. We know that. But... 
I don't think Spooko would win an award because first we'd have uh, to submit. Yeah, we wouldn't take out enough advertising space in the podcast monthly. But or, we also just wouldn't have the time. And also, oh, yeah, like, do a submission. <laughs> we don't spend any money on this podcast. We don't ask for any money from this podcast. So mm. the idea of spending money to enter it, but then actually writing the submission page, when would you have time oh. to answer the, like, 30 different short-form questions you'd have to answer to get this in, including questions would, like, what makes your podcast better than other podcasts? Would you respond to the email saying we'd been long-listed or short-listed for something and it'd be like, fucking great, like, let us know, just fucking let us know, like, we've done a lot of these, just go listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, it's easy to poo-poo on them. I'm sure when the embargo's lifted, I'll be like, do you know what's real? Awards and they matter heaps. And I may have said some things earlier in the past that I now retract. <laughs> awards rule. <laughs> awards, what's up? <laughs> well, look, I mean, Spooko, mm. not for the awards. We are about the Spooko community. Yes. And I just want to highlight a couple of messages we received over the past week. Yes. And Peach, I'm going to give you some friendship homework right now. And it's not friendship homework from me. It's a friendship is homework. It, is it from someone, should, like, <laughs> who is it from? It's, fr- it's from someone called Lauren who's only recently Lauren. started listening to the pod and they just wanted to know mm. your opinion mm. of a recent Drake song. Now, have you heard Churchill Downs, the song no. that Jack Harlow has featuring Drake on his new oh, record? yes, I have actually, uh, but only like two times. All right, Peach, what, what are your, because I was actually going to be like, Peach, you've got, Three minutes, go and listen to it. Uh, you've heard it already, Peach. Let me re-listen. Isn't it a couple of weeks old now? Let me go yeah. re-listen. No hate on um, on you, Lauren. We really appreciate you asking. Uh, let's do it now. Legal advice. Yep. You're about to give a review on this, so can I play a little snippet of the song right here? Yeah, 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 100%. Sick. Um, oh, yeah. I, like, I listened to this record. Like, Jack Harlow, I find super boring as like a public <laughs> yeah, figure. Completely, completely. Of, like, people are like, he's so attractive. And it's like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> is he that attra- like I'm not sure he's extremely attractive <laughs> like um he's attractive in the way when someone really normal becomes famous and it's like wow fuck anyone can become famous and then your brain turns that into <laughs> they're really hot well because like there are a lot of memes of um female uh, appearing interviewers interviewing him and going oh my gosh I just interviewed Jack Harlow and it's like I'm he did lose eight kilos 18 months ago, and that's great. And, you know, good on him. Um, the other thing with Jack Harlow is, so we both, mm. Jack Harlow and myself, both mm. share pretty Similar curly. Similar colouring, yeah, yeah, yeah actually. But, but, but also both share pretty curly hair. Yeah. And it's really hard to style curly hair, even when you have access to, like, the best stylists in the entertainment industry, as Mm. Jack Harlow shows, because every time he shows up, it kind of looks like he might have done something with his hair, but you just can't do fuck all. Like, so I think the normalness of Jack Harlow, I assume, is what makes him super attractive. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Come to me with an attitude, come a cropper. (laughs) Like he's sponsored by New Balance. It's like nothing says like oh, ordinary fuck, that than that. Sucks. <laughs> nothing else says super white than that too. Sometimes when I sit back and really let it rest. He has a great voice, right? And this sample is so sick. I said I wouldn't set it first. <laughs> I'm in a world's in denial, but they all know what I'm headed for. You got a great flow. We about to feed these youngins to the metaverse. This is a 40 beat from fucking 10 years ago. Is the other thing that bums me out about Churchill Downs. The label used to 
Like you put this on Take Care and you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but it wouldn't be a hit. You'd be like, oh, I the song. Yeah, you'd be like, well, when's the Rihanna track coming? Okay, you're a bit boring, Jack Harlow, fine. How's the Drizzy verse start? Yeah, just skip to the Drake bit. Drake start. Drake's one of the best verse starters, aside from Rick Ross, there is. So. Yeah. Already, you're like, yeah, what? Yeah. Cold hearts and heated floors, no parental guidance. I just see the voice. Therapy sessions, I'm in the waiting room reading Forbes. Ugh. Abandonment issues, I'm getting treated for. How much water can I fit under the bridge you before forget. it overflows? My son's got to learn that forgiveness is a lonely road. The cribs on his wheel like motor homes. Niggas so, let me try and test us like they know what we own. I've been going back and listening to this 2015 song he had Draft Day that he put on that like playlist of just unreleased B-sides that had like 5am in Toronto and stuff and he's like how's the boy singing when you know he can spit and it's just so easy to forget that Drake's one of the best rappers we've had like and like this is what like like I don't know why you invite people onto your album to fucking outclass you to just make you like a fucking idiot like it, like it just I feel like it exposes all of the superficial elements of Jack Harlow's style which is to just seem a bit cool and a bit slurry and basically just be cool and slur through every track and that's fine right like that was about as deep as my rap style got of like yeah man I'm gonna try to deliver stuff in a cool way. And then you invite someone on who's properly in the mix of maybe being one of the greatest. And it just makes you sound weird. Look, that was a long digression. Mm. I uh, What do you think of it? I don't know. I just think it's a bit weak. I think, like, to your point, the track feels like a track that Drake threw away. Yep. And Jack's like, oh, are you, are you not using this one, Drake? Are you? Is this one Is this one free? This, this is a Drake song. Like, sort of Drake, <laughs> you're like, you'd say this was a Drake song, wouldn't you? Like, you, like I would. You would. And, and Drake's like, yeah, man, if we like, we can do it. And when Drake comes in, he sounds like he—he's not like he's just like, oh, I guess I have to be the best person on this track. <laughs> like, he's almost exhausted that he has to be the good rapper. He's like, this isn't even my song, but okay, I guess, I guess I'm gonna be really good at rapping here. And well, I guess my third thing mm. with Jack Harlow, there's a lot of these young rappers who, in every song. They're like, I love having sex or like, I love blowjobs. Oh, and it's like, like H at the moment, that English rapper H, like every song's like, here's just some more raps about how I don't like wearing condoms and how sex is the best. It's, it's just like, like H, relax. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what's interesting about that viewpoint? But also like, there's nothing more vanilla than dudes who are like, I love blowjobs and like having sex. It's like, cool. Like, you're the most bland, obvious. You're like, a cliche hey. of a man. Like, I love that. It's like I have got some news. Guess, guess what I enjoy. <laughs> it's just, it's You'll so. Never guess. And it just, it always taints the song for me. I'm just about like, oh, that's just a bit gross. Like, I don't. It's, it's always someone like Jack Harlow who's like, I'm sponsored by New Balance and I love getting blown. It's like, what? You're so boring. I remember listening. Um, in the car to um, 50 Cent's Piggy Bank with you and Adele one night very, very late when you and Adele were both faded and I was driving driving us all home from a restaurant. 
and we were listening to Piggy Bank, and there's just a bit where it's like, yeah, get more money, more money. <laughs> and Shaggy like made a comment of like, isn't it weird that there's like a genre of music where this is like, <laughs> this is what you say on a song? And it's similar that it's like, isn't it weird that a genre of music develops to be like, guys, these sexual things I enjoy are getting blowjobs. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's my thing. It's like number one, weird thing mm. to say, but number two, They've never got anything interesting to say. Yeah. It's never like it's never like here's my like weird fetishes or I'm in a thruple. It's always like I like <laughs> the most obvious boring stuff that a dude could like. It's just like yeah, cool. Anyway, all right. So our final review, I think, for Churchill Downs is Jack Harlow's not Drake and a little boring. Everybody, thank you always for reaching yes. out to oh, us. Oh yeah, Lauren, thanks for sorry, thanks for asking. I hope that's a fairly good comment. I love Drake still heaps. Second little bit of um, Spooko Mail. This mm. one uh, coming from... Fuck, like, let's do Ask Spooko in future. Send through questions. I'm having the best time. Smashing a kombucha. This, this one's coming from Kayla, who only just started listening mm. and, like, already has given me so many suggestions that we just haven't covered. And there was one I really wanted to do because... She described it. She's like, look, this is just a really good movie and you haven't done it yet. And so today, Peach, thanks to Kayla. And again, Kayla, thanks for starting to listen to the pod. We are going to do a film from 2016 called The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, God. (laughs) If it's a vivisection, I'm going to get very upset. I don't like medical horror, Shag. Peach, Peach, it's not a clever name. There's, oh, there's no, it's no. not a metaphor for something. It's an autopsy. <laughs> I, do, I do like the horror film titles that are like, it's the haunted house <laughs> with a family visiting or whatever. Like, it's sort of just explains. <laughs> you know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I wonder what the corpse's name's going to be. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. Can I see one? No, no. What's that for? Make sure he's dead. Sheriff. What happened? No ID. No fingerprints in the system. For now, she's a Jane Doe. He needs my help right now. 11 o'clock, I'm all yours. Subject is in her mid to late 20s. Hair brown. Black blood warning down. Eyes gray. What happened to you? First, they bound her. Then they ripped out her tongue, poisoned her, paralyzed her, forced her to swallow the cloth. Where is that? Sweet like tropicana, when the hammer hits your head, splits like banana.
You're not ready for this flow. You better send your best soldiers. This is Captain Brusco. More disruptive and troublesome than ever. I'll probably be doing this probably forever. Fellas want to stop me. They'll probably come together. It's probable they'll stop me. Probably never. Hard boy, hard man, hard topper, topper. Come to me with an attitude. Come a cropper. Bring your hat and your chopper. I fight old school. Nah, no, I fight old school. Bring your hat on your chopper. I think that verse and that Mac Lethal verse are the only verses I know off by heart or maybe Andre's from Miss Jackson. I think that's it. The 10 times out of nine. That's about it. Jane Doe looks sick because the whole thing of dead bodies aren't scary. They're already dead. It's like, oh. <laughs> but are they? Look, there's a lot to like about this film. So it's from mm. 2016. It's directed by a guy called Andre of Riedel, who had success before this with a film called Troll Hunters. A lovely, another literal name for a film. I'm just loving this. Like, <laughs> what's, what's that about? It's like, yeah, great. It's a film about a troll hunter. And the cool thing about horror is that was one of those indie horror films where it's like, it didn't look especially scary. It, it showed up on a bunch of film festivals and then, you know, straight to streaming. And... There's an equivalent, I think, in pop culture. It's the equivalent of, you know, with articles where you just read the headline, you don't read the body and you just assume yep. you know it. There's a bunch of films and songs where it's like, I've never actually watched or listened to them, but I'm like, I know of them. And I get I, it. I basically <laughs> got the gist. <laughs> so Troll Hunters, it's Troll Hunter, Troll Hunters is, is one of those films. And mm. I, I think I must have thought the same about the autopsy of Jane Doe because this is one of these films that I've heard about for a while and just always passed over. I think I put it in the same league as all the exorcism movies. So there's the exorcism of Emily Rose and, like, I I think seeing this title and having watched some of those exorcism movies, I'm like, I know what this is going to be about. And I was totally wrong. This movie is yes. great. As Kayla said, this is just mm. a plain good movie. So uh, watch this last night with Adele, and I'm going to take you through this now. There was a moment in this film where I actually was like, Ugh! like actually jumped <laughs> sick. and freaked out, and that is a rare occurrence for me, especially in a film like this, which uh, uh, is also basically a play because it's super cheap and it takes place yes. in the autopsy room, essentially. Like this could be a play. As long as it's not at a dinner table. Um, <laughs> there is a table, though. Down. A table is oh, the no. main part of the room. Oh, that's because the previous play set at a dinner table. Like, had some leftover props. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? The, okay, Imagine so, being cast as a corpse. That would be such difficult acting to be like, Jack, don't move. <laughs> don't move. Also being like a naked corpse. I'm just a bit like, no, don't get like, I get like you're an autopsy. It's, it's not like they had any other choice, but it's just... It'd be it'd be a tough and not especially cool role to do. Yeah. Um, one of the things I don't like about being friends with you and doing this show with you is that <laughs> is that like we do air out our dirty laundry only <laughs> on air. <laughs> is that there are so many awesome pop cultural stars in this show who are like they're not massive stars but they've been mm. in stuff. And you're just going to be like, oh, I don't know who that is. And it's really annoying. Because the thing I was in Halloween, I recognise the Halloween guy. (laughs) All right. So Emile Hirsch is in it and he was the main star in Into the Wild, that film about that guy who was like, I'm just going to give up society and just. 
Sounds I'm awesome. Like, okay, it sucked. <laughs> Actually, I never saw it. I've heard it's really good, but I was like, <laughs> I never want to see that. Um, okay, so Brian Cox is in it. Now, Brian Cox is Logan Roy, the patriarch in Succession, like one of the best shows of the last couple of years. Yes, he was in um, Halloween. Wasn't he Dr. Thingo, Dr. Blumken? Oh, like maybe. Yes, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I could be wrong about that. <laughs> and, mm. and... The girlfriend of Emile Hirsch, her name is Ophelia Loverbond, which is a great name, is the main character in Minx, that new show about the girl starting Playgirl magazine in the 70s. Sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) I should watch Succession, though, shouldn't I? I really should. Oh, Pete, you really should. But at the same time... You probably know everything you need to know about it already. Yeah, like I'm kind of like, yeah, it's a good show. Seems, <laughs> seems like a pretty good show. <laughs> people would agree with you. You could have a conversation with people I'd with like, just that. crazy? With Rich just families that. and, you know, some bit of tension in there. Pretty good show. Sounds awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, oh, my God. Oh, Pete, oh, oh, I went to the cinema. Shaq, we saw Doctor Strange, which I'm not sure if it counts as a horror film, but it had, like, jump scares in there that I recognised. <laughs> I recognise the horror coding of the, like, there was, like, a moving, like, a Japanese horror ghost girl child, some movements like that, a couple of jump scares, and there was an even a, like, a look behind you, behind you type um, backseat driving, victim-blaming horror film moment in it as well. It was good. Oh, uh, well, look, Pitch, you and I still I need to... I spoilers on it, yeah. You and I still need to sit down and watch Candyman. The new, the most recent Candyman at some point. Oh, it's out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's on. Like it's you can just we can just stream it. We can stream it any time. If the election's not going well at the election party, that by the time you're listening to this, you already know the outcome oh. of. But Shaq, I'm really worried that it gets to about quarter to nine, and things are not shaping up very well. Then we may just have to go off and watch Candyman. I think that's going to happen. So perhaps by the time you hear this. Our glorious returned Prime Minister Scott Morrison (laughs) (laughs) will be continuing his glorious reign, but I will have seen Candyman, so that'll be good. All right. Okay. So The Autopsy of Jane Doe, a film that you already know what's going to happen in it, basically. Uh, all 86 minutes of it. Oh, my God. You know what 86 minutes means? By the time the credits were rolling, I looked at the time past and it had been like 79 minutes. Like, I was just... Oh, like if said I was 86 write, minutes. If I was going to write like, rap yes. songs about what turned me on, I would write them about this, about <laughs> the length of a song. And I know SNL oh, already yes. did it, but they did it in a boring way. Ours would be so much better. Anyway, so the film starts... With the corpse Mm. of an unidentified young woman, hence Jane Doe, Mm. is found at the scene of an inexplicable multiple homicide. So it's a suburban home. Mm. A whole bunch of people got killed. Mm. The sheriff is trying to find a motive, can't. And when they unearth the ground under the house, they find the body of a young woman. Oh, God, okay. That's actually a pretty good setup. Yes, okay. Now, there's no signs of forced entry, and Lieutenant Wade suggests that the victims were trying to escape. Okay. So the implication being something was in there with them. Yeah. But it's not obvious how it got in. Yeah. Okay. And kind of they their clue of whatever the hell is going wrong is this corpse they found 
underneath the house. I think this is another example of cops being shit. Of like, <laughs> what is it about the eight months in Armadale you spent training <laughs> that qualifies you to be like, mm, no signs of forced entry here? It's like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> Go back. To, yeah, anyway, sorry. We don't have to get to all cops are bad. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, please continue, Shag. My apologies for interrupting. So meanwhile, Emma mm. Roberts visits her boyfriend, Austin Tilden, mm. and his father, Tommy Tilden, a small town coroner. So the, they love the two syllable, two syllable names in this town. Well. Oh, TT. So, mm. so Tommy Tilden and his son, Austin, <laughs> sort of run a local coroner business. So they have, they, they, they have the, they have the sort of uh, like the coroner's Room, operating room underneath their house that they get to via a lift, and it must be a thriving auto. Like people must be getting murdered like every day. To because it's not a funeral. It's not like six feet under. It's not a funeral. Well, I mean, they're not they're not necessarily getting murdered, but they're they're dying, and they need an autopsy for some reason. Because autopsies, you don't just throw them around. Like I feel like pop culture is like, oh, someone died. Let's just make, let's just cut them up and, and make sure everything's all right. Any, anyway, so yeah, look, okay. this this isn't Sorry. in the Wikipedia, but Emma shows up to visit her boyfriend, and she's mm. like, oh, I want to see the room, and he's like, oh, it's a bit gross, and she's like, no, I want to see it, and. So she, she goes could do in. a rap song about her fetish being being in the <laughs> dead people room. <laughs> that would be so much more interesting. <laughs> It'd be awkward to bring up to be like, hey, do you know what I like? It's <laughs> but, having sex like, in a room with dead people. But like, like what you like. That's what I like. Only yeah. talk about it if it's interesting and diverts from the the normal accepted views of what sexuality is supposed to be in mainstream culture. Then I'm interested. Then I want to hear. Anyway, so she goes into the room and Tommy, Tommy, the dad's there and he's like, yeah, I, I can show you some of the bodies. You want to see some of the bodies? Dude. And so they, they pull out a couple of the, the bodies and there's one that has a cloth over its face because the whole face is caved in. So you can just sort of see the cloth sort of sunken into the Concave, face. Yeah. And at this point she notices a bell around one of its feet and she's like, what's that for? And Tommy's like, well, in the past, it was really hard to tell the difference between a comatose body and a dead body. So people used to wrap bells around the, the feet. So if they heard a bell downstairs, they knew somebody wasn't ready for the morgue yet. <laughs> yeah, and he's basically like, I'm just a superstitious guy. That's what I do. I think that's a really nice touch. Like, mm. I, I really like that. And, and obviously it's for sure. It's Chekhov's bell as well, of course. Like we all know what's going to happen. I, I think that's great. The other thing they foreshadow in this film mm. is that they just keep showing shots of her blank face, Jane Doe's blank face on the table. But we'll get to that because she's not even here yet. So... She sees the body. They play a bit of a trick on her where she's like, can I have a look at the face? And Austin's like, no. And Tommy's like, no, no, it's just death. You can have a look at the face. And as she's starting to lift up the cloth, Austin makes the bell ring and she jumps and they're all like, ha, 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 classic. <laughs> classic coroner's practical <laughs> joke. You're in the in, you're in the, in the in crowd now. <laughs> anyway, so... Austin and I'd Emma. be so pissed off. Actually, I'd be like, "You fucking serious?" Like, <laughs> I, like yeah, anyway. So meanwhile, so Austin and Emma are like, "Okay, we're going to go see this this movie by Dad. Mm. We'll see you later." 
At that point, Sheriff Burke arrives with the mysterious body of Jane Doe and tells Tommy that he needs the cause of death by morning. Tommy's like, don't worry, Austin, I got this. You go to your movie. And Emma's like, yeah, come on, we've got to go make this movie. And he's like, look. And he's sort of like, there's a bit of exposition where he's basically like, look, it's only been two years since mom's passed away. I need to support him and look after him when I need to. So tell you what, I'm going to help with this autopsy as well. And then I'll see you for the later movie session. And so she leaves and he goes back down to help with the autopsy of James. It's like express autopsy. Like this is like the world, the universe this is set in is maddening to me. But sorry, yes, this is the local police officer ordering autopsies urgently for reasons unclear and the local autopsy provider being like, yeah, don't worry, you'll get same-day autopsy returns without even examining the yeah, body. Yeah, and you know what's weird is that I would agree with you to that point. I would I would mm. go as far to say no one who's ever performed an autopsy wrote this film except for the fact that it's like an ad for being a coroner. Well, except that a lot of what they do is do chemical testing and stuff. You're going to go through the stomach contents, you're going to test the blood. Peach, peach, but look, I don't know if you remember Casino Royale, the first Daniel Craig Oof. Bond film. In I which the sort of do. You and I watched it together, Shay. Yeah. And do you remember what you said? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The first half of that movie is phenomenal, but it's also a giant ad for poker. It's, yeah. it's an instructions on how to play poker and a kind of ad because they're like, oh, this is why poker's exciting. Like the whole first half of that film is basically about poker. In the same way, the first half of the autopsy of Jane Doe is an autopsy, but it's also like this is why being a coroner is actually kind of like being a super cool detective and here's how to perform an autopsy. So it's it's real. the whole time I was like, wow, we're just going to go through every step of this autopsy. But the whole way through, Tommy's like, hmm, this doesn't feel right. Let me run some more tests or let me consult this book in my like thing. It's like in the same way that the exorcist sells being a priest as a superhero, this sells being a coroner as, as the true detective. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, and down to the fact that the sheriff couldn't solve the crime. He's like, oh, I couldn't solve this crime. <laughs> coroner, can you just <laughs> like, I need a result by morning. The only person I can trust is the coroner. Can you just solve this crime for me? Grumble. Anyway. All right. So Tommy and Austin start performing the autopsy and quickly become confused. There are no external visible signs of trauma at all, so her body is just immaculate, but her wrist and ankle bones internally have been shattered. Her tongue has been crudely cut out. That's really gross. Like there's a, there's just like a, a camera shot point blank at her open mouth and a severed tongue, so you just see like the cross-section of her tongue. Kind of looks like marbled wagyu. It's re- it's it's really full on. I wasn't expecting that analogy. Yeah, okay. One of her molars is missing. Her lungs are blackened as though she had suffered third degree burns, but there are no burns on the outside of her body. And her internal organs reveal numerous cuts and scarring. Jimson weed, a paralyzing agent not native to the area, is found in her stomach. The condition of much of the body suggests that death had just occurred, while cloudiness of the corpse's eyes suggests she had been dead for several days see what i mean about like they've gone through all the steps and it's like look at all these cool clues that you'd only get from being a coroner yeah okay yeah okay and if they use their coronial powers to cast out the devil or something i'm going to be pretty impressed as well 
Now, other mysterious events occur as they're doing the autopsy. That's a great Wikipedia sentence. That's the whole movie. <laughs> other mysterious events occur as they're doing the autopsy. But they give you one. They give you one. And this nice. is the oldest horror movie trope. It's using an old-timey song that's like, ah, I hope you're not going to meet your maker today, hey. sort of thing. The re- <laughs> the, because while as they cut her open... The radio spontaneously changes stations, frequently settling on the song Open Up Your Heart and Let the Sunshine In. And horror movie logic, if your radio not just once but repeatedly turned itself on to the same song, you wouldn't be like, oh, this radio is playing (laughs) up again. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a degree of victim blaming. I don't think your mind turns to like, no, it looks like we're being haunted by the ghost of this corpse. Like, I think you, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a tough one to conclude. Like, again, it comes back to the Doctor Strange behind you, behind you moment where I'm I'm trying to be more generous to the victims these days. Now, other strange things happen, including mm. Austin believing he hears and sees people standing in the morgue's hallway. He goes to investigate, but he finds their cat. So they have a cat. It's a bit of a, a red herring because at the start they're like, oh, this cat always gets in the vents. And then he's like, there's something out there. And then it turned out it was the cat in the vent. But Boom. the cat has been mortally wounded. So Tommy has to quickly snap the cat's neck and reluctantly incinerates the corpse in the morgue's incinerator. That's a crime, but anyway, yep, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing the autopsy, Tommy finds the woman's missing tooth wrapped in a piece of cloth. Like, I think now, no, sorry, you step back. I think you go, my cat has been badly hurt. Like, why? You call the sheriff and go, why is it fucking urgent? I need to get to the vet or my animal will die. So so there's there's another thing that's happening here where and I don't know if it's it's come up in this Wikipedia synopsis and I've just missed it or whatever but also what's happening on the radio is there's a crazy storm that's just moved in and everyone's okay. going to have to hunker down and they're already downstairs. Yeah. Okay. So like they're sort of semi trapped here or at least they feel like they're trapped and they've just got to get through this thing. Yeah, okay. So anyway, they find her tooth in her stomach. It's been wrapped in a piece of cloth. The cloth has Roman numerals, letters, and an odd diagram. Similar symbols are found when they tear up her skin on the inside of her skin, tattooed on the inside of her skin. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, all the lights in the room suddenly explode. During the confusion, they realize other corpses in the morgue have gone missing. They decide to leave but they find that find out that the power's out so the elevator doesn't work and a fallen tree is blocking the exit door. I think this is the challenge of the horror film is that there can be nothing scarier now than this moment. I think than the anticipation and dread of what is to come versus blah, blah, it's us, you know, blah, coming to scare you. Like I think there could be nothing worse than this moment here. This is the highest tension moment, surely, Shaq. So so they go to the 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 dad's office, Tommy's office. He tries to call the sheriff, but he can't get through. He then goes to the bathroom where he's attacked by an unseen figure who seems to have the same glassy eyes of, of as Jane Doe. Yeah, okay. When he comes back out and they're investigating his bruises, Austin hears a noise outside and the noise is just like a bell ringing, just going like dingling, dingling, 
Dingling, getting closer. This is the bit I jumped, so... This is the shuffling corpse walking along. Yeah. He looks under the door of the office because the door's closed. They barricaded the door, but he looks under the door of the office and there's nothing. And we cut back to his eye and there's nothing. Cut back to his eye for a third time. Yeah. And we just see a foot with a bell just walk past the, the door. Oh, I, I fucking jumped. Oh, gosh, that is scary. Shay, is this really good, this movie? It's really good. So at this point, they return to the autopsy room and again examine the corpse. When the, <laughs> well, no, because I think at this point they're like, this is real, something's happening, and we have to work out why she died. Like they're basically like. Okay, they're like, all right, there's supernatural stuff. It yeah. relates to the corpse. Let's, let's get into figuring it out. And, and I guess maybe that's part of the journey of believing, but I think it is funny that when the radio turned itself on multiple times, they're like, this radio is faulty. But now they're just immediately like, this, there's something supernatural happening here and we have to solve this. But again, add for coroners because they're like, the only way the person who can solve this is the coroners by determining the cause of death. But I, I love as well that it's like the best way to fight this supernatural, unearthly uh, you, you know, threat is cold, calculated science and sober coronial work. It's good. Well, exactly. This is how you sell a job in popular culture you make the challenge giant emotional supernatural, but the solution has to be just doing the job. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. That's why That's why the priesthood boosted its ranks after the exorcist. Yeah, the way to fight Satan is just to fucking just go be a priest. Just do the, <laughs> do the, do the, do the day in, day out drudgery. Yeah, I like it. All right. So they return to the autopsy room and again examine the corpse. When the door locks itself... Austin hacks it with an emergency axe. Through the opening, they see one of the missing corpses. Unable to get to the cremation furnace, because they're like, okay, well, let's just let's just burn this corpse. Like, clearly everything's happening here, but the door's locked. So they use some of the chemicals, which I think the room's full of, and then just set it alight. Uh, but the fire spreads rapidly. Tommy puts it out with an extinguisher but is disturbed to find that not only has he put out the fire in the room, but the fire has left Jane Doe's body completely unharmed and she's exactly the way she was before. Yep, I'm I'm gripped. They then hear the doors unlock and the elevator turns back on, so they try to escape, but the doors were not closed. Panicked, they see the corpse, one of the corpses slowly make their way to the door. As it gets close enough to get in, we see a glimpse of the face that's been caved in. It's a really horrific sight. And Tommy, carrying the axe from before, just basically shoves it into the face of this corpse. And I wrote down a note while I was watching this in that that's how I would have used an axe because I don't like, I'm really bad with spiders like i i, I want to get to a point in my life where i can happily live with a with a huntsman spider for example on my wall i just can't at the moment mm. and usually i have to like i feel bad about this but i have to kill it but the way i kill it is like i have to psych myself up for one hit with a shoe and then i basically run away so i have to like I, that one sh- that one hit has to connect or it's fucked. So I'm just I put everything into that hit with a shoe yep. and then I bounce back. That's what Tommy does with this corpse. So he puts everything into the axe, axe is buried in the corpse, and he jumps back. Into the elevator. Yeah, okay. Yeah, from the <clears throat> elevator. <clears throat> when he and Austin exit the elevator, they discover that he's actually killed Emma 
the girlfriend of Austin who had returned to meet Austin. And that's why the elevator was working again, because she had come down and tried to find him in the halls. What? What? No, wasn't it the convict? Wasn't it the cave? Well, so they th- that's what they saw, or at least that's what they think they saw. Oh, they were made to see that, okay, by mm. the supernatural force, okay. Certain that Jane Doe's corpse has been preventing them from finding out the truth about her death, they again return to the examination room. <laughs> we really have got to do our coronial work yeah. now. This is the, like that settles it. We've, we've really got to get back to work. Straight up, right? So now they go to the brain. They cut out a bit of the brain. And when they look at it under the microscope, so Austin looks at it first and he does that thing, that classic shot in any sort of like science adjacent film where the scientist looks under the microscope, backs away, looks again. And is like, you got to come see this. The audience has no idea what we're seeing, but we know something's up. Roman numerals. Heaps of Roman numerals on the brain. (laughs) No, Tommy comes and looks. And when they look through, they see that the brain's tissue cells have remained active, proving that they couldn't work out the cause of death because she never died. Further examination of the cloth determines that the markings refer to Leviticus 2027, which condemns witches, and the year 1963, the date of the Salem witch trial. 1693, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the flower wasn't from where they were. The flower, and they've determined that the flower was probably from Salem as well. So Tommy and Austin reason that the, that in their attempt to punish a witch, because because the thing is they're like like because Tommy's like, but yeah, hang on, because Salem wasn't about witches; they're all innocent, and it was just hysteria. But then, and this is this is like Deus Ex Coroner's reasoning. Mm. Tommy's like, hang yeah. on. So what's happened is in their attempts to punish a witch, because all of these things that's happened to her from breaking, you know, from bounding her to cutting out her tongue to poisoning her to doing all these things to like burning her, all of these things, their punishment, all of these things actually created a witch. So she wasn't a witch before, but by torturing her to death, they created a witch. Yeah, okay. I quite like that conceptually, yeah. Like like I like it. I I don't, they don't explore it more than him just, being like that's my theory but i like it yeah okay my my years of coroner training have led me to this conclusion yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and their thought is she's still alive because she's basically enacting revenge on the world tommy offers himself to the corpse as a sacrifice hoping she will spare austin Tommy's ankles and wrists immediately shatter, mimicking the corpse's wounds. Yes. As the wounds occur to Tommy, the corpse's own wounds begin to heal, seemingly ending her curse. Tommy reaches for a knife to cut out his own tongue and complete the ritual. However, Austin reluctantly stabs his father in the chest to end his father's misery. Believing he hears the sheriff outside, Austin tries to flee, but realizes the voice is another hallucination. Startled by a vision of Tommy's corpse, Austin trips over the railing and falls to his death. The next morning, the police arrive at the scene and are confused by another inexplicable crime scene. Once again, this sheriff, who has never solved a crime in his life... Yeah, went up to the movies (laughs) after finding a very upsetting crime at the start. The film starts with the sheriff being like, I just can't figure this crime scene out. (laughs) And it ends with him being like, I knew these two people and the girlfriend. I don't get this. What's going on here? I've got no more coroners left to call. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to find another coroner. <laughs> the corpse, showing no signs of trauma, 
is taken away. And in fact, the weird thing is the paramedics are like, where do you want us to take the corpse? And he's like, take it out of my county. I don't want it anywhere near here. And so they take it to Virginia Commonwealth University. I don't the know cool why. The cool thing that's... about paramedics is they do take orders from cops. They're like, a cop, where should we put this corpse? <laughs> During the ambulance ride, the radio starts playing the old timey. Open up my heart. Open, my open baby. up your heart and let the sun chime in. And it ends with the worst moment in the entire film a shot of her feet and then one of her toes twitch, which is the most her body's moved in the entire film. And that's the end of the autopsy of Jane Doe. Peach, what are your thoughts? Loved it, loved it, loved it. It was uh, Drake appearing on a Jack Harlow track. <laughs> Shag, I was, I was really about it. <laughs> if it. If it was to be nominated for an award, I think I would attend the award show. That's the highest thing I can give. Shag, did you enjoy watching it? Were you into it? Well, I mean, let's unpack the fact that if this was nominated for award, you would attend <laughs> your award show. But, I mean, that's I mean, that's the highest honor. Like, if, if a piece of art gets nominated for something and you love it so much that you'll show up at the ceremony to see if it wins. Now that you're reading this good. back to me, I probably have to withdraw that. I think it's probably fair. I might have got a bit. I might have got a bit. <laughs> I might have gone a bit loopy. That might have been the witch uh, speaking through me there just a bit. But, um, <laughs> I liked it. I appreciate it, Kayla. Thanks for telling us about it. Anytime you want to suggest something, anytime you want to ask mm. us something, anytime you need Peach to review something, just hit us up on Insta or on TikTok, the best places to reach us. I finally heard the Kendrick record and it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?